kind of want to just talk about the Brianna Taylor case. I I knew from the get-go, I already knew from the get-go what the outcome was going to be. But I was still really hurt and sad about the outcome. And I think it hurt more because the Attorney General was black. Like, a, a black dude. Like, not a biracial dude, like a very black dude. And, like, he kind of went out of his way to... Um, to pretty much help the cops out and make sure they got off pretty easily. Yeah, like but what did, that, what did the activist say, though, that he was skinfolk, not kinfolk? Like, we knew Daniel Cameron was not going to render any sort of... He was not going to let his his skin tone or the fact that he was Black uh, affects or influence his decision on this case. He was just at the RNC a month or so ago talking about uh, just the de- just doubt, just talk, denigrating and down-talking uh, Democrats and... Uh, black folks and trying to loop us in with Antifa and these other kind of Marxist ideologies that is total nonsense. We like we we knew that he was not going to render anything that was going to jeopardize his standing with the Republican Party and conservatives. So yeah, yeah, and I like he, I, I just don't buy it that he was. I, I get that I get being upset. I'm not going to dismiss that, but I think right. the, the thought that he was going to do anything, he was going to do us any favors. I I just that just seems silly that he was going to. He's that kind of person because he wasn't. No, and I I, I, I agree. And like, I'm kind of upset with myself that I'm feeling like this way about it. But it's just like, it's just still hurts because like, like a little bit of part of you has to say like, Brianna Taylor could have been like my cousin. Brianna Taylor could have been like my sister. Yep. You know, it could have been like a close family member. It could have been a person like the high school with whatever, you know, and he's just like, whatever. Like he didn't really like acknowledge like her death at all when he made his official remarks. And it's just like, I don't know. That part kind of stung a little bit, um, but you know, whatever. Thoughts, thoughts, and prayers out to Brianna Taylor's family. Uh, thoughts and prayers out to her boyfriend, and actually, thoughts and prayers out to her ex-boyfriend. I guess the one that's in jail right now. I understand he did some bad things, but um, he was presented a plea deal to get out of jail if he wrongfully accused Brianna Taylor of being a drug trade, and he rejected it, which is a very bold, powerful move on his part. And I think like if he hadn't have done that, the city of Louisville probably wouldn't have paid out like twelve million dollars out to Brianna Taylor's like family. Of course, that. I, that's I'm sure that's why they included that that clause in there. They're, they, the folks behind this, uh, were trying to find a way to get out of paying this down, paying this 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 you know this lump sum out for for you know murdering this woman in her home. And I think it's just it's. Like, it shouldn't have come to this, man. Like, Louisville, like, the, the fact that you have people running your city, running your state like this, who can kind of allow something like this to go to go by, uh, to have an AG and Daniel Cameron find a way to punish an officer, not for killing Breonna Taylor, but for shooting bullets in, uh, shoot, wanton, uh, what was it, wanton? Wanton uh, charge. Endangerment. Wanton endangerment. Wanton endangerment, yeah. A fourth, uh, fourth degree felony to use yeah. that. Uh, and not even vi- violating her, but violating her neighbors and endangering them to make that a crime. It's, right. it's, it's just sickening. Um, right, just sickening. right. Again, I, anytime one of these police brutality cases comes up and there's any sort of reasonable doubt or any sort of mitigating circumstance, it always seems like it's going to go in the wrong direction. Um, the only one that I can 100%. think of in, in a recent memory is, uh, I think it was the, the, um, the black man in uh, Raleigh. I think it was, his name was Walter Scott who was gunned down on video by a police officer. And I think that officer was actually uh, found guilty. He was found guilty. I know exactly what you're talking about. I thought you were actually going to reference the one in Minnesota. That's uh, the, not the George the, Yeah, so not the George Floyd one, but the one where the police officer was black or African. Um, he was 
originally from Somalia or his parents were from Somalia. Yes, and he harassed that white woman, right? He killed a white woman. 12 yes. years in jail, yeah. just like that. Very yeah. quick trial, 12 years, just like that. I actually wasn't and, thinking of that, but that's a good one to bring up. And it's just like, you can't say it's not a race thing when like you can see like that example right there yeah. where a black cop kills a white woman unjustly and he gets 12 years in jail just like that. No but problem. then like when quick it's like trial a white cop, quick trial on everything, right? When there's a white cop killing a black person, it's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. The black person did something to deserve this death. And I always hate that argument, man. I, I despise, despise it. I mean, it, it's it kind of it just ignores the fact that you know these officers, you know, they're not. It doesn't seem like they're well trained. It doesn't seem like they should not be able to be judge, jury, and executioner in these cases. And I think that that's that's very problematic. That we kind of say, oh, because so because they make a they might make a mistake, they flinch, or they do something, or they might have a weapon near them. You know, let's forget the fact that we have a Second Amendment where everyone's, you know, apparently allowed to have guns. Anytime a black person seems to exercise that right, then that becomes a problem uh, for police well, officers or mitigating circumstance. But it's, again, yeah. I just don't think that it's, it doesn't give, it, again, you should not be damned to death because of that. Right? That's, no. not how, that's not how this country should work. And it's not the rules for, it's only a rule for a certain group of people. All right. I, White people are, do not have this, this, this rule, uh, affecting them all right and it's it's ridiculous it is ridiculous and i think like um the one thing about the brianna taylor's case that kind of like really scared me was um uh she was guilty by association right yeah. she was guilty for simply just dating a bad guy quote unquote i mean if we go to like a cookout or a family reunion or something and we meet up with a family member who might be like let's say a gang member or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we don't really know that does that justify the cops busting into our house in the middle of the night and just like guns a blazing? <laughs> you know, like that, that's just absurd. Um, like, so we I, don't I have like, the right to be in our own homes. Like she, again, she was doing nothing wrong. She was in her home sleeping and the cops barged into her home. All right. If well, it can happen, that can happen to her. Right. Like, and like, like it can happen cops, to anyone. That should be, that should be terror, terrifying for everyone, not just black people, but for everyone. You're right, and the cops literally waited outside until like they saw like, the TV light go off to yeah. bust in. And like I don't uh, look, man. Like the AG thing, the AG uh, uh, press conference where like he used one witness out of like I forgot how many, but a large pool of witnesses. He used one witness to say that they announced themselves for a no knock warrant, which makes absolutely no sense. That they knocked, waited, and then barged in for a no knock warrant absolutely makes no sense. Um, he uses that argument to like just justify the entire thing. So I, I actually did some research on the no-knock warrants, actually, right? Because I was like, yeah. this doesn't make any sense. Like, why do we still have no-knock warrants? It seems like a, it seems pretty unconstitutional, actually. Um, so like, the research that I found was the no-knock warrant was actually brought about under the Nixon administration. Surprise, surprise. Um, and it was used to pretty much show that the federal government is being tough on crime. Yeah. Um, now, one of the most famous cases about the no-knock warrants is actually the Fred Hampton case. The Fred Hampton was the head of the Black Panther Party, uh, violently killed in a Chicago apartment by Chicago PD and FBI through a no-knock warrant. Subject um, to coming out, I think, next year too. By the way. Really. Yeah. Right. Starting, uh, Daniel really Kruk and Keith Stanfield. So, if, if you haven't heard that story yet, it's coming to the big screen or whatever screens are watching from next year. So, stay tuned for that. No, for sure, for sure. Thank yeah. you for that. I'm gonna keep an eye out for that. Yep. Um, so yeah, so uh, surprise, surprise, actually, um, back in the day, back in like the 60s, 70s, uh, the no-knock warrant actually wasn't popular. So Congress ruled it illegal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it got brought back 
in the 80s under another law and order president. I think we all know who that is, the great uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, and since then, it's just stuck since the 80s, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, so I was thinking, like, we had a debate last time about, like, defund the police versus reforming the police. Mm-hmm. And the, the Breonna Taylor verdict came out, and I was thinking about it. Like, I think we're both right, but we're both wrong at the same time. And, like, the reason what do you mean why, by that? All right, so we're both right, like, yes. You know, for the defund the police side, are local and state budgets too heavily on the police side? Sure. Should that be reduced for education, social services, and welfare, et cetera? Yes. Does that same police force need to be reformed, retrained, educated, need higher standards to meet the job? 100%. It needs to be torn down from the, torn down and rebuilt from the ground up. 100% agree with you on that one, right? But we are wrong because the entire system around the police is what's kind of protecting it. And if yep. we're not addressing that, then like if we're arguing defunding the police, it's not, not going to help. If we're arguing reforming the police, that's not going to help. Because no. um, here's a good example. If you remember Eric Garner in New York when he was choked out by the police, mm-hmm. um, that chokehold was against the uh, New York PD code of conduct. Yep. And the code of conduct is kind of like their Bible basically for policing. And that cop sat on the desk for five years and the mayor was just shaking his legs because he couldn't fire him. So, you know, like in the Breonna Taylor case, like, like if you look at the mayor's office, for example, right? So yeah. what did the mayor's office have to do with it? Now, Breonna Taylor's apartment was next in line for a gentrification uh, a project. Did the mayor's office influence the police department to aggressively pursue that apartment? It's possible, right? Uh, there's no an investigation by that into there. I know there was, the theory was kind of put forth, but I, I wasn't sure if there was an investigation by Benjamin Crumper, another civil rights lawyer or team, to kind of verify that. Because if, if if so, that's that's damning. Uh, that's for, damning. For the yeah, one hundred percent damning. Um, the next thing was, in order to get the Nolak warrant, a, a judge has to sign off on that. Yep. Why didn't the judge ask the right questions? Hey, this evidence seems pretty flimsy. Why can't you work with the Postal Service to investigate the packages? Why can't you like, question Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend? Why can't you even bring in Breonna Taylor for questioning, hopefully with a lawyer present? None of those questions were asked. It's just like, all right, here you go. Have fun, kids, type of thing. The judge didn't do their due diligence. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then like you circle this full circle when the cops did something wrong, an innocent person dies, you know, the attorney general office. They are pretty much an attorney for their cops. So <laughs> very much so. They're on the same side. If anyone's right. lost, if anyone's I know it's a poor uh, example, but if anyone's lost law and order, those guys are pretty much working hand in hand. Hand in hand, bro. I just saw something here in Florida where like um the the town that Trayvon Martin was killed in, uh, a police officer violated the rules to give a person a DOI. Yep. And like the prosecutor was telling the judge, well, he made a mistake, but this person's still guilty. And it's like, hold on there. <laughs> <laughs> you that's not how it's supposed to work like yeah. uh sanford yeah. florida man it's a crazy place yeah it's a, it's a nice little town but i try to avoid it at all costs i mean um, i can't blame you for that yeah um yeah i try to avoid it so yeah i mean again like, i think we're both hit on some really good points in terms of reforming or defunding the police but i think like the deeper issue is like the entire system, the entire criminal justice system needs to be reformed. And I don't think like we're having the conversation 
primarily on that. And I think that's an issue. Um, no, you can't, you can treat the symptoms as much as you want, but you know, right. you know, you're still not going to eradicate the disease and the diseases that the system needs a lot. The system just needs to be worked on. Um, it needs to be reformed. It needs to, one of the things that needs to be done is getting money out of the system, out of politics. Um, yep. It needs to, we need to, you know, be able to hold people accountable uh, more regularly for their jobs. I mean, voting is fine, but it's, again, that's, that's a challenge in and of itself when you have other people kind of affect influencing the system to kind of continue on business as usual. You know, this is what you have. You have a situation where, you know, a woman could get killed in her own home and it yep. can be, it can fall into this kind of plan that the, the politicians and business has for an area that's, you know, totally silences them and totally doesn't account for their humanity. And, you know, that's, it's one of the things that's, I'm hopeful that we can kind of, uh, we can see changed in the future. Uh, in the near future, uh -huh. my, in the near future, I am a little concerned uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, it's one of the many things that we're going to tackle here on the, uh, on the, on the Liberal Witch podcast uh, brought to you by the What You Expect Media Network. Um, shout out to all the folks doing the hard work over there covering sports, music, entertainment, gaming, culture, politics here at large. It's a black owned business dedicating to give people to look like me Keith and our super producer, y'all, you know, platform. So be sure to check us out at whatyouexpect.com. That's whyexpect.com. Uh, so today's Wednesday, September 30th. Uh, we just spoke about uh, the Breonna Taylor case, but there's a lot going on in the country. Um, there's almost too much going on, really, uh, between. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to last night's debates. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, we have our president's. Uh, refusing to commit to a peaceful transition of power in the event that he loses the election. He just nominated Amy Cole Barrett to uh, take over the seat that Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, just left in her untimely passing last week uh, to the Supreme Court bench. Um, there's just a lot going on, man. Like, <laughs> it's been normally like one of these things would probably be enough to take up a show. All right. But, you know, it just so happened that with there's no real time to breathe. It's been a kind of a recurring theme with the Trump uh, the Trump presidencies that day after day there's another story. There's just another controversy happening, and I think that all really came to the forefront yesterday during the debates. Um, I tried to get through them, uh, but I probably only lasted about 25 30 minutes. I think I got up to the point where he said that he brought back Big Ten football, um, and I was just like, look, I cannot do this anymore. This dude, if he's just gonna lie like this. Uh, what's the I, point? I actually think that was one of the two things that was truthful that Trump said. I mean, uh, you say that, but the president, I think the president of, it might have been Rutgers, which, you know, you can debate if they're really a Big Ten school because they always get blown out in games. And they're not really competitive. Uh, but the president of the Rutgers came out and said, like, Trump had no influence or bearing on our decision. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were influenced by science. He said this two weeks ago, but Trump's kind of tried to play up that fact that he, you know, he called the commissioner and he's been trying to repeat that as often as he can in, in battleground states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan, uh, trying to retain his, uh, his victories there. But uh, I did write a piece on, uh, for the site just calling out two things about the, uh, the debates, Kev. Um, first thing, was that it was just an embarrassment uh, to have to take take that that spectacle in. Um, I don't know how you felt, but I was just like, why are we listening to this? To our president, the leader of our country, is just acting like a petulant child. 
and no one is capable of wrangling him in. Not Joe Biden, who I think once famously said that he was just going to, someone just needs to smack Donald Trump or just knock Donald Trump out uh, once upon a time. Uh, and then Chris Wallace, is the mute moderator, who I think is one of the, probably one of the more fair-minded journalists um, or media personalities that Fox News has. He was just totally yes. incapable of checking Trump during the debate last night. And I think it made, made the event just... I mean, for some, like I was getting texts saying uh, that it was very entertaining, but more of the messages I was saying, like, yeah, what the hell is going on here? This is disgusting. I want to slap, I want to punch Donald Trump in the face. Like, he's such a jerk. He's so rude. And it just made for terrible television for me. Um, what did you think? Um, yeah, kind of similar things, but, you know, going into the debate, you know, I kind of had to, like, take a step back and kind of reflect here, like, what are my expectations, right? So... Um, you know, Joe Biden, he's 78 years old. He doesn't have yep. as much energy as he has before in the past. And his son also passed away, I think, like a year ago. It's been a year, maybe two years ago. No, I'm sorry. Was it a year? His son passed away kind of recently. I think it was four years or whatever. So he still kind of has that on his conscience a little bit. So, like, he's going to be pretty low energy going into it. Uh, yep. The thing that I just don't want Joe Biden to do was just make a lot of gaffes, say the wrong thing, kind of stutter a lot. You know, just make like a really embarrassing moment in television where like that's all that the local cable news that we're going to focus on. Um, and then on Trump's end, I don't know what I was really expecting from Trump. I thought that Trump was going to come in pretty unprepared and it was really going to show and it was going to make a pretty big embarrassment for Trump. Uh, it seemed like going in, he actually like did read his notes or read, at least read his talking points where most of them were unfactual or not. He actually read his talking points, and you can kind of tell that he came up with an actual strategy, um, which was almost mirroring what he did back in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. And when you look at Chris Wallace, like, yeah, so, like, it's kind of sad. Chris Wallace is Republican. Chris Wallace, you know, has his biases, but it's really sad that, like, for Fox News, he's probably the more moderate person to get. Fox News. He's damn um, near liberal compared to the rest of those guys at Fox News. I don't know, like, who does he go to lunch with at Fox News is my question. Like, he I probably is, like, totally lost there. I think Donna Brazil. Uh, I think him and Donna Brazil probably go to lunch together. Um, She's at Fox News now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she got fired from CNN for obvious reasons, right? Not, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me, let me define that. Not for obvious reasons. <laughs> she cheated. She gave her the Clinton the answers while she was a person for CNN, and CNN later fired her due to ethics violations. So she went to Fox, you know, because one, Fox needs like a liberal voice, and then two, she also wanted to get you know, a job and a patient doctor. So, wow. Um, I had no idea. So yes. Yeah, I shouldn't say reason. obvious reasons. I apologize for that. No, thanks um, for clearing that up. Because I was like, I, again, I was just shocked to hear that they were hiring, you know, not just, you know, someone who used to run the Democratic National Party, but, you know, a black woman as well who's a liberal. That's, or uh, I'm sorry, just a Democrat. I don't know how liberal she is. But <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's genuinely shocking. Yeah, no. So I think uh, Donna Brazil will probably be the only person that like, he would have lunch with. And I think yeah. there's a black guy too on Fox News who's a Democrat. I forgot his name, but, um, uh, I think part of those three would be sitting at a lunch table um, in, at Fox together. Oh, well, not, well, not now because of COVID. Fox yeah. actually, Fox corporate actually picks up pretty seriously. Surprise, surprise. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so thought I, think, their, I thought they still had their morning show uh, in studio. Or one of their, a couple of their shows still in studio, but. So I wouldn't know personally, um, yeah. but um, from what I heard through the grapevines is that like the media personalities are back at 
back at work, but they're, you know, they're separated. They're pretty far apart. Uh, but everyone else that's not related to production, they're home working from home. Like gotcha. they're not needed. Go home. We actually bring the COVID. See ya. <laughs> so okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the media personality, because it's so hard to like run a show remotely, they're back in. Um, it was more of like a business decision type of thing. All right. um, but again, I heard through the grapevines. I want to know firsthand. Um, so what was I about? All right. So yeah, so Chris Wallace. Yeah, so Chris Wallace, he's a Republican. He's going to have his biases. Is he going to ask to the similar Republican talking points that we're so used to hearing through every freaking debate? I was expecting that. Um, so like, I wasn't really surprised that Trump kept interrupting Joe Biden every five seconds. I wasn't surprised he was attacking Chris Wallace. Those two don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everything hit my expectation. But I thought Joe Biden held his own. I thought like he hit everything he needed to say. He said it. He said it well. Um, you know, he called Trump a clown. He told him to shut up. You know, so I think like he got his he got his zingers in there too. So I think I think Joe Biden kind of won my candle there. Yeah, one thing that I didn't really appreciate, um, just in going on Twitter this morning, was that it seemed like a lot of people were trying to say that the debate was bad and making it seem like Trump and Biden were equally at fault for that. When it was like, even if you just, if you were like me, you just watched, you know, five, 10, 20 minutes of the debate, like you can tell that it wasn't being submarined or by Biden or that Biden was, you know, awful by any stretch. Again, I agree with you, he was fine. But it was really just Trump coming in there like a bulldozer. And just deciding to railroad, like his strategy was, and I think Chris Christie, who, another person who I don't, I'm shocked still has a job in media. Um, ABC has hey, been using him as an analyst for some reason. That is your fault. I blame you for Chris Christie because you're from Jersey. Okay. So that is your fault. Again, Shame on you. You know what? You might be right. I, again, I only started voting in 2018. Had I voted earlier, <laughs> I might have been able to get him out of office. I apologize for that. But, and but yeah it's he apparently was involved with the debate prep for with uh with trump and one of the things he told was like he has to come out aggressive and that's what trump did but it didn't make for it didn't do anything it didn't besides i think alienate a lot of people or turn a lot of people off like Mm -hmm. and i think to to kind of suggest that biden uh, whatever you think about him and i know a lot of people aren't fans of him i'm you know not crazy about voting for him something i've said a bunch of times even though i am going to vote for him uh but to act like he like biden and trump are again were both culpable for the debate going the way that it did is i think it's it's just shows that you're not paying attention um or that you didn't watch the watch the show biden was fine he there are some policy positions that i wish he was a little more liberal on but again Same. he's at this point what are you going to do we're 35 days away um it, and he's trying to build up leads with moderate moderates. He's not trying to win over liberals, you know? Um, right, yeah, right. He, he did fine. As long as he, again, if he can avoid the gaffes, if he's not going out and making, you know, ridiculous statements like, oh, I'm a friend of Strom Thurmond, or if you're not black, then or what he said with Charlemagne, if he avoids those issues, I think it's a win for him. It's a low bar, but it's a win. Uh, so I'm going to say this. What Charlemagne does is an art. He brings out the worst sound bites out of politicians. I don't know what he does, but he what he does is an art. Remember, he brought in Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton brought in like her hot sauce out the bag. Not yeah. a good look. No. Brought in uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is like, I'm Jamaican. Of course I smoke weed. 
But it going is not a good look. <laughs> no, I think what Charlemagne does is he kind of puts people like he, he relaxes them. He makes them think like they're like, everything's cool, like they're like all buddy buddy, and then he kind of pulls the chair from out from under them. Like, oh, you said what? Like, oh, this is inflamed. Like he he kind of he plays them really. It's again, it's like you said, it's an art form. Um, that gets right. a lot of politicians. It's going to continue to get politicians, I'm sure. But um, yeah, as long as as long as he's not moderating a debate, I think we're good. Hold on there, sir. Hold on there, sir. Hold on there, sir. I think Charlemagne would have done a better job moderating that debate than Chris Wallace would have. I think Charlemagne Chris Wallace, would have been a better moderator than Chris Wallace. Yes. Hmm. 100%. I think Charlemagne probably would have told Trump to shut up, actually. I think Chris Wallace was too scared to attack was, the president. He was too scared. I do. Yes. There was, um, I'm trying to think. There was someone who did, who was one of the moderators in 2016, who I think did an excellent job. I think she was a black woman um, for maybe PBS or one of the other networks. You're talking about the primary debates? Maybe it was the primary debates. I thought she did one of the 2016 presidential debates too. Um, oh, I'm blanking gosh. on it. I'm blanking on a name though. Um, yeah. But I, again, I thought that she did a very good job. And I was like, if we just had somebody like that running this debate instead of Chris Wallace, maybe this goes differently. But I'm going to disagree with the whole Charlemagne point, and I'm going to say we don't, need, we don't need any more debates, all right? If the debates are going to be Trump getting up here, making a, uh, just being a, 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 a bull in a china shop, essentially, and just now talking to everyone, and then using the platform to rally up his uh, right-wing nationalist militia groups, like the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys, to go and poll watch, what is the point of these events? We, just, we don't need to do this anymore. We know what Donald Trump is. We know what creature he is. We know what Joe Biden is and what he's going to offer the country. We know, you know what Trump is, you know, more of the same, possibly worse. What do we need more debates for, Kev? So you actually brought up, you're like the segue king. You actually brought up like multiple points we can kind of like do a deep dive on, right? So like yes. you decide, right? Should we do a deep dive on the type of topics that were brought up during the debate, such as the Proud Boys moment? Or should we talk about we talked about this, I think, episode two, I want to say, maybe episode one, mm -hmm. where Trump should do everything possible to avoid having a debate. And I think he kind of did his job here. He did it for debate one, but I don't think anyone wants to do a debate two or three. And I think that's probably going to work out in Trump's benefit, right? Because so let's Trump explore that. Because So are you suggesting that Trump kind of uh, tanked this debate on purpose? 100%. Uh, so here's the reason why. So like the national media group, unless like you're MSNBC, I think like CNN, CBS, Fox, not Fox News, but like CNN, let's just attack CNN for example. I yeah. apologize, CNN. But let's, let's pick on them for a second, right? CNN wants to show that they are listening to both sides. They do not want to appear that like they are just too far on one side. Now, I understand that you have some of your anchors, such as like Anderson Cooper, uh, Don Lemon, like those guys are going to show like, okay, we're, we're left, right? Yeah. But like for the most part, they do want to show that like they are listening to both sides and they're giving like a very moderate center approach. Yep. So like, I think what's probably going to happen is it's like when Trump comes in and he bulldozes the debate, um, you know, like kind of like last night, you can kind of count in the media to say, make a both sides argument that like both sides kind of ruined this debate. Both sides did this, both sides did X, Y, and Z. So right. if you kind of rely on that, even though you were the main culprit, I think that kind of helps your narrative out to like, 
it's just politics and politics suck and like you know you're gonna turn people off from it and people aren't gonna really listen to like what you had to say now trump screwed up when he brought up his proud boys comment if he didn't do that i think trump would have succeeded in everything he wanted to do and much like you're turning people off i think you said you only watched 20 minutes of it you're yeah. turning people off from it and now you have team biden on the other side saying they don't want to do a debate that's perfect because Trump doesn't have a, a next term strategy. Next term strategy for Trump is just like, he has, hell, I didn't pay taxes. He has no. Uh, if I'm in this job, I'm good. It's astonishing, so. real quick, that he has that he's not offering anything for, you know, for 2021 and beyond. Like there is no yes. platform. Like in 2016, at least he was offering. You know, I'm different. I can fix these problems, even if you know they're not really real. Like this China trade war, like that wasn't really an issue. Um, right. You know, bringing back manufacturing jobs. Everybody says that nobody does it. Like there are some things that he spoke, but he spoke to these issues, and a lot of people were like, you know what? It's refreshing to hear these things. So let's go. Let's go and support him. He's not offering anything like that. You know, he's not really even offering to you know rebuild the economy. He's just kind of like, ah, things will get better. Just you know, we'll sit this one out. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, there's, but there's no real plans. Even I think he. Like I was reading in the. Um, uh, the Atlantic kept a really good diary of the of the debate last night, and one of the things they it looked like he said was that he was going to vaccinate I think two hundred thousand people a month or something, you know, which is like, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, what Anthony uh, Anthony Fauci and the CDC have been saying about COVID is that they want to get a vaccine everyone vaccinated, um, you know, you know, some sometime in twenty twenty one, you know. But Trump's plan would have, I think, if you're doing only 200,000 people a month, that's mm -hmm. taking, you know, I think three or four years. That's going to take oh, much longer. So it sounds like he doesn't even have a plan for something immediate like that. And it's just like, it makes you wonder, like, if he has so, if he doesn't have a plan for something that's urgent right now, right? Like COVID's already killed 200, over 200,000 Americans. Um, and it's, it's, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. I think the cases in New York City just rose up the other day. If he doesn't have a plan for that, like, he has nothing. I, he, what it, it begs the question, what the hell is he doing? Which, so, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. So kind of like what you said about the vaccine thing, about testing people, 200,000 a week, whatever. I think the military might be first in line for that. Uh, I think because the military... In terms of like, getting a vaccine or administering getting, a vaccine? Getting a vaccine, actually. Okay, okay. Um, so I think, like, unfortunately, they might be the guinea pigs for it. Um, now I'm that's not a, sure. I just that's try to fact. I just try to fact check myself, and I literally got two articles from military.com. One true. says they're not. One says they are. So <laughs> um, alternative facts, Kev. Alternative facts. You know. So like, I think historically the military members have been like, I don't want to say guinea pigs, but the first to receive like certain type of medications. Yeah. Um, so like, if that's the case, and I do realize that like Trump's kind of he wants to rush a vaccine as quickly as possible. That's not a good look for our, our men and women in uniform. So not at all. Uh, it's pretty scary for them. Um, I so like the whole not having a second term strategy. I thought one Chris Wallace showed his bias there because as a moderator, you should be asking, well, what are you going to do as president? You know, for the next four years. I, I think he kind of failed on asking that question specifically. He yep. did kind of dance around it with like race relations, for example. But Chris Wallace didn't give a fuck about race, race relations. He, he was like, okay, this is a free for all right now for race relations. I'm sure that Donna Brazil yeah. texted it to him right before the debate, telling him, hey, bro, just make sure you bring this up to Trump, okay? Appreciate it. I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure, sure that's what happened. It's in his group chat, all right? I'm sure it came up. I'm positive. 
Don't try to disrespect Chris Wallace like this. You're right. I, Chris Wallace, I apologize, man. I apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so I, I don't think like Chris Wallace really attacked President Trump so much on like what your second term strategy is going to be. No. And I think the most powerful person in America is Mitch McConnell. And that tells me that Mitch McConnell does not have a strategy for the next four years. And that means the Republicans overall do not have a strategy for the next four years. I don't think that's a President Trump issue. I think that's an overall Republican Party issue. But I mean, that's been an issue for them, I think, for years now, going back to uh, when Obama took office. Like they haven't, their ideas have pretty much been, we're going to cut taxes, we're going to deregulate, we're going to pack the courts with Republican judges, and we're going to stonewall Obama at every turn. That's pretty much been their strategy. You know, yes. And then get rid of uh, the Obamacare like, uh, when that came into effect. That's pretty much been it, though. They're, they're not really offering anything else um for the country you know for in terms of pushing us forward uh and it's it's jarring that you know if it does come down to mcconnell who's been described by uh as many as just being you know he just works for to for to to accumulate power that's pretty much where his mind's at just gaining power as much for conservative causes as much but you know in terms of what he does with it you know who knows um but that's you know that's again that's been the republican party's ethos for you know for my life for the last decade at least Right, and I, 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 I agree with that. Um, I think for the most part, Republicans have been like kind of highlighting like we're gonna do tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. We're gonna pull back on like social or social welfare programs, like yeah, uh, you know, whatever. So like I think like that's kind of been like their strategy. But then like at the same time, like we're in a pandemic, and people are now realizing, hey, this little bit of socialism that we had going on, we actually do like it, and we actually do need it. So uh, it seems like they really don't have like, a strategy going forward in uh, the next four years. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's overall like, a pretty Republican issue. Uh, but let's like do a deep dive into the actual debate, right? Yeah, so the thing, that's been, the thing that's been making headlines is Trump's refusal to denounce white supremacy. Yeah. I wasn't surprised by this because he didn't do it in Charlottesville. He, when he went down the escalator... He went down the escalator calling Mexicans rapists and murderers. So, I, I'm, I'm, again, like, I'm not surprised by this, but apparently everyone else is. Maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe I should be shocked and angry and appalled, but I'm not. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I. it's hard to kind of make sense of this one, uh, the outrage of this, because I feel we, we do this exercise. And it's not just with the white supremacy thing, but it's with everything with Trump. Every yes. time he does something that we're like, you know, oh, how could he do that? How could he be such a terrible person? How could he believe, you know, support white supremacists, not even denounce them? And right. it's like, you know, we do this all the time. He's not a normal president. So he's not going to denounce these things that normal presidents would. He likes the fact that these people, he's, and he's not also, he's also not going to say anything bad about anyone that supports him. Right. And I no, think these white not. supremacist groups like uh, the, the Boogaloo Boys or the Proud Boys in this instance, by the way, these are terrible names for gangs, by the way. I don't know if you <laughs> to hear that. But I'm, I, they might be terrifying, but I mean, I'm not afraid of, of a boogaloo boy, and I don't find like a proud boy sounds like a terrible uh, boy band. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Marcus, I'm going to have to fact check you on the spot. We call white gangs militia in America. Okay, get that oh, right. So. Excuse Come me. Oh, I forgot. You know, they have guns. That's the whole thing. Like, that's the correct. Whole thing right there. Correct. Correct. We don't check the guns are legal or not, but they are militias. That's what we call them. My apologies. I'm not as well versed in this stuff, uh, but I'm working on it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I thought, like, um, you know, like, watching the debate, like, when 
Chris Wallace actually like, you know, stood up for himself once. Um, and I questioned Trump, like, hey, would you denounce white supremacy? And Trump goes, well, name, name one group, name one group. And like for the Proud Boys was it named, the Proud Boys was Chris Wallace's name. Yeah. And then Trump goes, uh, uh, okay, I'm going to tell him to stand back. <laughs> I forgot the actual term, but it was like stand back or stand by, something like that. Stand down and stand by, I think was what stand he said. Stand down and stand by. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. And also, <laughs> Is that a call clever. to arms? <laughs> it's very clever that Joe Biden was kind of fed him Proud Boys. Like Joe Biden was ready yeah. to talk about this issue. And he was like, oh, say, so he, uh, he put Proud Boys out there, I think, not Chris Wallace. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not apologizing. And Trump just kind of ate it up. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, he put that out there and the Proud Boys, you know, within like minutes, they made it like they put out a logo with Stand Down, Stand By. I guess their Reddits or their group chats and Facebook groups all had, you know, Stand Down, Stand By uh, right. activity about it. Like, so you know, he may not denounce them or. I think it was Tim Scott, the senator from Georgia, who the Republicans always love to to trot out once every four years to say, "Hey, we have one, guys, vote for us." Um, yeah. But yeah. he came out and was like, "Oh, I think he just misspoke. Like, really, guy, you really think Donald Trump misspoke when he didn't denounce the Proud Boys? We all heard it, man. He does not sound like he misspoke. All right. He didn't misspoke at all. Um, no. All right. He's yeah, not. He he's he's not gonna. He's not gonna say anything bad about anyone that supports him. The Proud Boys are very loud and proud about supporting him. So. Right. No, 100%. 100%. Um, so that was like one uh, That was one ever, uh, thing that kind of highlighted. I think another thing that was highlighted during the debate was actually Law and Order. Um, so yep. Law and Order actually, Trump was actually asked about race relations in America, right? Oh, this was and hilarious. Hilarious. Tr Trump was literally asked, like, you know, about race relations, about like Black America, and he somehow pivoted that into a Law and Order type of argument. And yep. he pretty much was saying that he has all the law enforcement agencies who are backing him, which I don't have the stats on it, but I do think he has a point. And he was just he got really, right, right. That was like the one that, thing that, like, Okay, facts. okay. So he has, he has two things he got right. So yeah. that was one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then he was just like bragging and boasting to Joe Biden and asking Joe Biden to name like the law enforcement agency that has his back. Joe Biden obviously didn't prepare for that answer. Why would he? Why would you sabotage yourself and say, "Oh, oh yeah, like you know, Harrison County Sheriff supports me"? <laughs> you know, why would he do that? That would have been a weird. I thing. thought, I thought that was a pretty like big issue to highlight. Uh, one thing that uh, was kind of struck out to me, at least on the Joe Biden side. Uh, so Joe Biden was asked. Obviously, he was going to be asked this question by Chris Wallace from Fox News. Uh, was where he supports defunding the police. Uh, Joe Biden said he does not support defunding the police, nope. but later started mentioning what the defunded police movement is about, such as like having like a social service worker go out on patrol with cops or whatever. So like he was trying to play like the both sides of the Democratic Party type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but then That's Trump true. immediately right after goes, he's for defunding the police. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I it's it is funny that. I think that kind of mimics like what we've been seeing with when it comes to the defund the police as a, like a national movement, right? Like they are, they stand for a lot of things that I think a lot of people on their own agree with, but when you kind of put it into yeah. this package of defund the police or black lives matter and, you know, you start couching it in terms of, Oh, it's a Marxist ideology or, Oh, it's part of this, uh, this, this social socialist movement or whatever. Um, right. a lot of people who, who, you know, don't agree with these things like that, then it kind of makes these, 
this platform or this what the what the defund the police police movement is about it makes it very unattractive to many many voters across the country and i think that's why i think less than a third of americans actually support uh defund the police movement and that's you know across uh whites white voters black voters uh hispanic voters all over the place all over um, the place yep. yeah but, I, but again i totally get why uh i mean biden has to play to the center because he's trying to Again, what's he trying to do? He's trying to pull in as many different voters as he possibly can. Right. And I think that's part of it. Um, which, you know, oh, man, we got our third member of the podcast here. Yeah, yeah. Someone wants to poke their head in. <laughs> Are we talking about the police? <laughs> he got a police dog that shows up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I mean, I think the, again... It's, it's it's hilarious that Trump was Trump's response to that initial question was you know how, how what are you going to do about race relations it's, oh I have the support of uh, law enforcement everywhere like that's like that has nothing to do with anything why are you bringing that up so like kind of like the what you just said there um, you brought up a good point right like defunded police if you look at every poll it's very unpopular that scares people again I think the left is pretty bad at marketing certain slogans. But it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, political, I actually released like an article talking about how um, during like the height of the Black Lives Matter protests, um, almost every municipality, every state, even Congress was just throwing out like police reform bills. And you now have you noticed that we haven't heard about those police reform bills at all now. Um, yeah. And the reason for that is it's like. Politicians did a wait and see approach. This is like a tried and true approach from like the '60s, where like you send out the military, you send out the police, you tear gas the protesters, and like, all right, we're in this together. We'll paint a road, Black Lives Matter, and that's all you're getting. And that's yeah. kind of exactly what happened. And actually, support for the Black Lives Matter protests has actually gone down. Yeah. So the height for it was at 61 percent, and now currently it's at 52 percent. Mm-hmm. So, yep. again, it, it is what you said, like. I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's just like we're terrible at marketing and that's why like we can't push like more progressive agendas like that. But again, like it's just not that popular. It's like this is not a hill Joe Biden should die on politically. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. I might wash my mouth out with the Listerine, but like this is not a hill that like, Joe Biden should die on because like, the polling just doesn't support it. No, I th- it's here's the thing, and I think it's something that. Uh, liberals need to kind of, you know, take in. It's like there, there are things that Joe Biden is not going to come out and support right away. Um, if he's if he, even if he wins the election, all right. There are some things that right. you know he's he's very focused on getting you know those northern uh, white moderate voters in the suburbs, as we say, um, in places that Hillary Clinton lost in 2016. And in order to do that, he's not going. He can't he can't come out and support some of these you know more progressive policies. But you don't you support Biden. And then you put all the pressure on him uh, when he go, when he gets into office, and you can keep that pressure up so that you know maybe in twenty twenty one, police reform isn't something that gets done, but in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty two maybe if we hold, if we can uh, win and hold on to the Congress, twenty twenty six further on down the line if he's still president, like again you keep the pressure up so that he has to in uh, sometime down the line, or, or someone on the Democratic side has to you know put has to give you something. I think that's what that's where, and even if the messaging is bad right now, I mean, the civil rights movement didn't exactly pull well when it started back in the '50s, right? But over time, it's 19. But again, without the pressure that they were applying, ten years later, the Voting Rights Act doesn't get done. Right. Um, and Martin Luther King was like probably one of the most hated men in America at that time. He too, was. So. 
and now he's yeah and you know think, think about how long it's taken him to be you know kind of lionized in our culture it took him being getting killed and for for us to even get to that point and but it, again i think that it just takes time and it takes pressure and i think then this kind of microwave society where everything kind of has to get done right away or we lose focus or we lose, or we you know pay attention to something else i think that we that's where we just have to people have to put in the work if you're invested in this if you're invested in police reform or any other liberal policy right you have to put the pressure on and then they'll, nah, they, they will have to respond to you i 100 agree with that um you know i think i kind of fall in a category of like you know let's just get this shit done now like i think like police reform should actually be like in joe biden's 100 day policy um and the reason why is like look if all the polling holds true we won the senate we won the house we won the white house right and I think, like, history has told us multiple times that, like, you only get two years as president. Even though, yes, you get four years technically, but you really only get two years to actually pass the stuff that you want. Yeah. And I think, like, this 100-day policy should be police reform. And even if it's not popular, oh, well. I mean, Obamacare wasn't popular at all when he pressed it. Now, try repealing that now. <laughs> you can't. So I think like I think that uh, police reform should be like in this hundred day policy. Um, now obviously that's going to be only at the federal level, but hopefully that sets a tone for governors and state legislatures at the bottom. Like, hey, this is this is the tone we're setting. You guys better keep up. You guys better start doing these policies now. You guys cover. Yeah, I mean, it still looks like there's pressure being placed in like local places. I was reading just earlier today that um, I think Boston and parts of Massachusetts are kind of uh, mulling over some some police reforms there. And, yeah, you know, I can't remember the last time I heard anything, any cases. I'm sure there are cases in Boston. They just don't make national coverage. But, you know, I think if places like that, uh, places like Boston and Massachusetts can get police reform done, if it happens in places like New York and New Jersey and California mm-hmm. and Virginia, that can serve as kind of a, a bellwether for the rest of the country or as an example. That's a good place to start. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think, you know, we can look towards the federal level to kind of get things done, or it can right. be something that kind of gets popular, much like Obamacare, something that started off, you know, locally in Massachusetts yep. and then kind of served as a model for a national level. If it's something that happens, you know, in enough places locally, then, you know, sure, it can, it's something that can, you know, that can serve, that the federal government can go and implement uh, nationwide, which, you know, which would be a good idea. You did bring up... Uh, uh, interesting uh, point though so i'm going to ask uh what should biden's 100 day policy or what should be in his first 100 days what are some things that he would have him uh focus on because it's not something I've, I've i'm so uh caught up in the actual election i haven't actually thought like what's going to happen when he wins so you yeah. said police reform is one thing that you want him to focus on so what are the what are what else would you have him uh, um take care of so yeah that's a really good question so i think like um uh the john lewis voting rights bill as uh-huh. obviously going to be one thing that he should implement. I think yep. get us back into the uh, Paris Climate Accord is another thing that he should get us back into. Um, I think that one thing that hasn't really been talked about really that we should probably focus on is probably more of the Green New Deal, actually. So I know that Joe Biden said like that's not his policy, that's not his legislation, but we can call it something else. But we do need to get like a green new deal type form of legislation like through and the reason why is like we're seeing more and more fires happening in california we're seeing more hurricanes like in the nation you know we're seeing just like weather just being like you know it's kind of extreme like in in different uh, different levels 
So I think like he kind of should focus on like, um, you know, climate change. So again, just to recap, Green New Deal, uh, criminal justice reform, uh, the Voting Rights Act. What was the fourth one? I forgot the fourth one I said. Whatever, he'll figure it out. He's smart. See the Paris Accords? Is that, did you already Paris say Accord. that? Paris Accord, yeah, the Paris Climate Accords. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I think another thing to add to China. I think that we are in an unofficial Cold War of China. And I think that he needs to kind of like pass some type of legislation or do something to encourage businesses to, instead of investing in China, invest in like other countries. Um, so I think President Obama tried doing that with TPP, where he was trying yeah. to encourage businesses to invest in like Vietnam, I think Japan, South Korea, those places. I think Joe Biden, like his foreign policy strategy should focus on that. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think this limiting China's like power and their grip. So overall, I think that's a huge, huge thing. Yeah, I think it's getting to, you know, and I don't know if it'll be in his first 100 days, but I think it's getting to a point where, you know, we can have relations that aren't, I think getting out of a Cold War, avoiding a Cold War with China is in our benefit. Um, whether I, I, I think it's think inevitable. We, I mean, we're Gosh. here now. I think it's already happening. I mean, I've been following this um, this TikTok sale uh, that's supposed to be going on. Um, and, mm-hmm. it just, and it doesn't even seem like, you know, that's going to happen because China is so averse to capitulating to the United States and the Trump administration. Um, and that's, you know, that seems like a fairly minor issue, but again, it's, it's something that's blowing up because of, you know, the way that Trump is trying to treat China. And it, if you leave, it, it's, it's kind of bipartisan at this point too. Um, but I think this, there has to be a way to kind of thaw out those relations. Um, I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, I think investing in other countries is, is kind of hard as well because China has been building this new Silk Road, so to speak, where they're kind of influencing, you know, all the nations in that, in, in that region. Yeah. Um, or another with uh because they just have so much money that and resources that they can throw at people um but yeah, yeah. i do i think that's uh i'll just add that's the green new deal maybe we don't call it that but again i think a large program uh that's built around building up jobs uh building our infrastructure uh that again if it can go towards fixing some of these issues that we have with climate change you know building you know more infrastructure for solar and, and wind power and things like that and getting us off uh carbon yep we should absolutely be doing that. That's something that's uh, he should be working towards. Uh, I would love to see it anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I think like, you know, obviously like Joe Biden's generation aren't going to deal with the wrath of global warming, um, but we are, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, we have to take a stand against like big oil companies and say like, hey, it's going to get really bad. <laughs> uh, it's going to get really bad. And I think like our response to COVID shows like we as a nation, we're just not prepared for like a national crisis on that scale. And I think like, no. you know, what happens if there's going to be like a water, so- a water shortage like in some places of the country? Are we prepared to deal with that? We're no. not. Because look at Flint, Michigan. I think California, parts of California has like a water crisis too, you know? The wildfires, we're not geared to prepare for, for like wildfires like that. So like we're just not prepared to deal with like global warming. No. Um, you know, what happens if like sea levels rises and they're going to start taking out cities, such as like New Orleans, Miami, New York? Are we prepared for that? We're not. We're not prepared yeah. for that. Katrina told us that, you know? So yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, I think it was 
we're already seeing like instances globally where people are having being forced to migrate because of the climate. I think one of the issues with uh, I know Syria, one of the yeah. kind of factors in their civil war was that a lot of people had to were forced to move because of the ch- changes in climate, and that kind of brought about uh, you know yep. revolutionary changes to that country that have not been for the for the best. And I think you know if we're talking about you know you know uh, coastal elites having to move inland, what's that going to do? It's going to destabilize a lot of places. Uh, going yep. forward and it, we're not we there are no plans we just said the republicans have no plans to kind of deal with this issue and yep. it's something that biden even if he doesn't find a solution he has to start getting us to kind of think about these things uh going forward yes. at a national level because again if it's not getting done at a national level then it's just not going to get done uh period especially if democrats aren't uh in power unfortunately i think you um and i think this is probably the last thing on this one topic because uh, yeah. there's more to the debate to talk about but yep. you brought up a good point and I think like immigration reform is another thing that Joe Biden needs to focus on. Mm. Here's the reason why, because um, again, this is a black podcast. We need to talk about black issues. The Caribbean, for example, is probably going to be in the front line in terms of the war against global warming. Um, and we already saw examples of it. So for example, when uh, the, that massive hurricane hit the Bahamas and also Antigua and Barbuda, yep. we didn't send help. We just kind of let them uh, deal with it on their own. Well, when the Bahamians were trying to come to the country to just, you know, just for, you know, ref- refuge, we kind of turned them down. Like Trump, the Trump administration just turned them away. That's actually going to happen a lot more often. There's going to be more powerful hurricanes. It's going to destroy these little islands. And these little islands, like England's not going to come. England kind of shot themselves in the foot with Brexit. They're going to come straight to the United States. We know Canada's not going to go in there and help. Uh, so, like, I think... Uh, real defined immigration reform policy that like hey when something like this happens and they can come to our country and it can help out we need to talk about that because like we still have this whole dreamer bs thing stop it we're too big of a country to be worried about dreamers i know people are worried about their jobs stop it this country is way too massive to be worried about dreamers we need to have like a reform we need to have a clear defined like immigration reform policy to deal with like you know climate change refugees you know, Central yeah. America might go under, the Caribbean might go under, you know, Africa might go through like a huge drought. Like, what are we going to do to like to settle that? And how are we going to like take in refugees? I think that's like one thing that he needs to talk about. Definitely not in his one day policy, but at least through his first term, that, that has to be addressed. Agreed. Agreed. Um, sorry. So something funny that kind of happened during the debate. Um, so Trump and Biden kind of went through like this, uh, uh, like the suburban fight. I don't know. It, it kind of felt like a white word. Like, yeah, you know how black people say, like, hey, I'm from the hood. And, like, they kind of talk about the hood they're from. Yeah, right? yeah. They were talking about the suburbs. <laughs> they were going to a battle about, like, who's from the suburbs? <laughs> Who really knows the suburbs? It just like felt, Queens like, really owned, odd. Queens owned Donald Trump talking about the suburbs. Big city well, Donald. He, Thank you. He's I, from, I, mean, uh, I missed this part. You missed this part? I, 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 I caught it. I caught it. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Uh, so I think Trump was just highlighting how the dog whistle is, is that black people moving into the suburbs is going to ruin the suburbs. Um, so yeah, he was talking about down that. property values and all that. Right. And like Trump was just saying that Joe Biden doesn't know the suburbs. And Joe Biden responds back, oh, trust me, buddy. I know the suburbs. And they kind of had like a little <laughs> back and forth about the suburbs. And I'm like, it's just like a white thing about like the suburbs. It's like, is this like their version of the hood? It's the suburbs. <laughs> so. We need to get a correspondent for this sort of questions because I have no idea. I didn't know this was a thing. 
Yeah, I didn't know it was a thing too. I until they were debating about it over the freaking summer. It's like no, Biden's from Scranton. Five. <laughs> Biden's from Scranton, right? Yeah, Biden grew up in Scranton. That is correct. Yeah, that's, that's probably yeah. it's probably more of a more suburban than uh, than Queens. Uh, Barbara Queens from Donald Trump's from anyway, but yikes. <laughs> Trump's from. So Trump's from Jamaica, Queens, but he's from Jamaica Heights. I've never been to Jamaica Heights. Um, so I don't know if that's going to be considered like the suburbs of the Jamaica, Queens area. I don't know. Uh, but like their whole little back and forth about being from the suburbs is pretty hilarious to me. Um, that's a funny thing to, for them to beef about. Um, was, yes. Hilarious. Everything going on in the country. <laughs> you know, we have, I, for instance, we have Trump's tax, tax returns, you know, that whole document coming out. And I think that was also one of the questions that came up uh, when Trump was talking about, oh, I paid millions of dollars. Uh, in taxes. Yeah, that, that was a lie, 100%. Clearly a lie. Uh, we, again, we have the receipts now, Donald. You can't really lie, run away from that. Um, do you think that, so I read the entire article. It's very, it's, you know, reported exhaustively. There's also some really good co- uh, follow-up from the Forbes. Uh, one of the reporters there was just kind of tabula- tabulating the total, you know, amount of uh, debt that Trump has in town. I think it was like $1.7 billion dollars. Um, versus I think he has assets in wow. 3.2 billion. So he's still not, you know, he's not broke, which is what a lot of people are saying, but he's clearly, you know, um, he's clearly uh, owes a lot of money. He's not in, you know, good financial straits. Like $1.7 billion in debt is ridiculous um, for any human being. I don't care how rich you are, it's just a lot. But it's also kind of what Trump's kind of built his empire on. Just uh, He calls himself the king of debt. Uh, he uses bankruptcy. Yeah you know, filing for, and, you know, saying that his businesses are not profitable at all, or declaring losses as much as he can, uh, in order to not get get out of paying taxes. Um, But I just wonder if, you know, we're kind of doing this hand-wringing exercise now over Trump's taxes and Trump's finances. Why does this, I'm not sure that this matters, but, you know, why is this something that the media is kind of fixated on? Uh, so I, 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 let me just say, yeah. I, in 2016, I get kind of obsessing over this thing where, like, oh, this one of Trump's key selling points was that, oh, I'm this great businessman. Um, so if we had this information in 2016, we can say, oh, no, you're not. All your businesses are losing money. I kind of get it. In 2020, though, I'm not sure that it matters as much because he's been in office and it's like, you know, you know, it is what it is. Like you're broke, but you know, that clearly doesn't matter. It's not going to swing anyone one way or the other. So. Do you think that this is something that we should pay more? That we should be paying more attention to, or is this kind of like, you know, let's just shrug our shoulders and move on? So, like, I understand. That I have like a pretty odd viewpoint of certain things. Um, so, like, when I hear about this, like you said, like Trump is still, I think, per Forbes, he's still considered a billionaire, even with like how how uh, in debt he is. Yeah. You and I are both sports fans. We understand, like when you're a billionaire you get off on a lot of things right you get off and not paying for that fancy new billion dollar stadium the city pays for it right or the state pays for it so i think like the the bigger issue to highlight here is just like corporations and billionaires get away with not paying taxes and i think like the panama papers that came out i want to say around 2016 2017 again my memory's kind of off but that kind of like highlighted like billionaires around the world do not pay taxes and i think that's like the the, the, the bigger issue here to focus on mm-hmm. i understand like it's easier to focus on trump and trump should pay his taxes like everyone else 
But I think like the deeper issue that we, the media should be focused on is like, hey, how many billionaires or how many multi-billion dollar companies are not paying their taxes? And I think that's like the real issue there. Yeah. But to answer your question, because I didn't answer your question, I don't think this is going to be a big issue. And the reason why is I think Trump has had so many scandals. It's just literally, it's exhausting. And his scandals don't stick for more than a week. Like we'll talk about it for a week, and then next week he either says something or something else happens. We got all of two days on. into this right. uh, this Trump tax scandal before he was like, "Oh, well, you know, Proud Boys and uh, poll watching and all these other things." We like, I think it's already gone to the back burner for a lot of people. Exactly, exactly. Like the Proud Boys comment is not a new thing that like, we're now fixated on. We're yep. going to completely ignore the fact that like he hasn't paid taxes. Just how Hillary Clinton brought up during the debate in 2016 that he didn't pay taxes. So yeah. it's just like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's a big deal. Let me just clarify that. It's a big deal, but I don't think that the American people are going to make it into that big of a deal. Let me just say that. Yeah, I don't think it's something that's going to, I don't see it, you know, in terms of the election, I'm not sure it's something that's going to sway people one way or the other. All right. I don't think so either. Um, I don't think so either. But I do, I do like the, or I agree with the idea that, you know, it does speak to a larger problem where we have, you know, billionaires and billionaire, billion dollar corporations, you know, skirting taxes at every, every opportunity it looks like. Meanwhile, yeah. we're over here arguing about defunding the police when it's like, no, just tax billionaires more. And we'll have more money for things. Right, um, which right, is what, right, right. It's kind of the point I tried to make last week. I don't know. I don't know if I did it that well, but yeah, that's, you know, what I say you let's tax these people more. Um, you know, I was going to say, uh, I know we're kind of running over time, but one yeah. of those funny stories I came across this week was that James Dolan, the billionaire owner of the Knicks, he's using his money to fund his opponents, uh, or fund the, uh, the opponents of a congressman who said that he's a terrible owner and should sell the Knicks. And it's just like, you know, we should be taxed. Like, this is a bit like, we should be one. It's, it's ridiculous that, you know, he's doing, he's wasting his money on this stuff. Right. 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 Adam right. Silver, if you want to get involved with the Sixers and the Clippers for the way that their owners carry themselves, get involved with James Dolan doing this. It's got to be a sh uh, bad look for the league one, but two, it's like, we should be taxing these guys so that they're not using their money to, to undermine democracy for just for petty slights. Again, this is what happens when they have all this money. They don't know what to do with it, so they're giving money just because someone said that they're bad at their job or because they're sensitive right. about something like this. Uh, you know? So I think just, the Sixers it, fan in me is like yeah. um, trying not to like jump on that topic you brought on. Like, hey, <laughs> NBA, you like you know, hopped into like the Sixers, got into your business, but you're not doing it for James Long. The inner Sixers fan is like, all right, calm down. I know bad things happen in Philadelphia. But bad like, things happen in Philly. Trump told us. That's the, yeah, that's the other thing he got right. It's the other thing he got right in the debate. Uh, <laughs> just, look at the, just look at the Eagles, man. But yeah, continue. Jesus <laughs> man. This is keep stabbing me in the back here. My right. fault. My fault. Um, so I think you brought up a really good point. And I think like to kind of like a good segue into Chris Wallace here um, <laughs> to, to talk about healthcare, for example, right? Chris Wallace and a lot of moderators on CNN, CBS, whatever, they always bring up the issue of taxes. And the issue of taxes always gets brought up when it comes to like healthcare. Um, yep. So like, for example, Elizabeth Warren, right? I think you support Elizabeth Warren, I support Elizabeth Warren, but every time she's in a debate, they grill her on the taxes. And I think you brought up a really good point. We, not we, not you and me, but we as America kind of like condition ourselves to like, always fear the word taxes and it's just like 
okay, cool. Like your taxes are going up, but like you're investing in yourself as an American citizen. So like, for example, like when Joe Biden was questioned on like how much taxes are going to be raised into this healthcare plan, I was like, dude, that's just a stupid question to ask because like you're, in order to get health insurance, you have to pay for health insurance. Right. So like, if you can eliminate health insurance theoretically and just like go for like Medicare for all option or whatever to Joe Biden supporting, Sure, you're eliminating that expense, but your taxes might go up. It might be the same. It might be a little bit less. Who knows? But it's just like we're just so scared of the word taxes. It's it's, like, it's poisoned for a lot of people. They hear it and they're just automatically turned off by it. Right, and it's just like, dude, like like what you said. Like, if we just raise taxes up for the rich, we can invest in like other stuff that people like me that want to defund the police. We can invest in that without defunding the police. And like we just don't do that because we just fear to worry taxes. I think you really touched on like a really good point there. Yeah, it's it's something that's it's. Uh, I remember around back around maybe like 2012, 2013 or whatever. I was really reading um or getting into like Thomas Piketty and you know he wrote this. He's this economist that wrote this book Capital and talking about this this really this system that we you know just talked about with Trump where these billionaires go out of their way to avoid taxes and cut taxes for themselves and their corporations. Yep. And what it just leads to is a situation where we're kind of starved from a social welfare standpoint. And it's really yep. you know as we kind of talk about these issues that matter like you know healthcare um you know affordable the affordable care act and you know college tuition and you know these things that you know would be good as a whole for society it's just you know we're always fighting each fighting each other um you know oh we don't want to i don't want to be taxed to help out so and so i think a lot of this is couched in terms of you know help uh food stamps and things like that uh oh i don't want to like these people are just kind of you know uh using up all these resources uh my resources to feed them that's not that's not fair and it's it's really just problematic uh, i think that's uh that's kind of the way that we think about these things rather than in terms of, you know, it's good for everyone. And if it's good, and I don't want to sound like a socialist here, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, a cultural, I don't want to sound like a Marxist or anything like that. But I mean, if we can kind of remove that, remove that concern from a lot of people's lives, I think it would be, we'd be in a much better place. I'm, I'm sure people are like, would you rather live in a world where you have to go on Twitter and Facebook and see people using, you know, GoFundMes, you know, in order to cover yeah. medical expenses and things like that? Or yep. would you rather have a system in place that, you know, fixes these things? And one of the reasons that we don't have these things is one, because, you know, so much work is put into avoiding taxes. But it's also two, that taxes have become such a dirty word. And it's something that's, you know, yep. I don't know how we're going to fix that, but it's something that I would love to see, you know, us address. And so kind of bring it back to Trump. I don't know how we're going to, uh, if he's in, if he's, uh, He's had four years. He's, he's something that he even said when he ran in 2016, that he knows about all the loopholes. He would even think about closing the loopholes. He hasn't. Mm-hmm. But it is something that, you know, if he wins again, you know, that's a good, there goes uh, one method of kind of funding the kind of progressive ideas that a lot of people have um, going forward, uh, you know, just in terms of just raising taxes and kind of funding the ideas that uh, people have. Yeah. So I'll just say this one bit and then we can kind of wrap up the debate. Yeah. Um, so I think like, again, you touched on a really good point and I'll, I'll just add on to that is that I think a lot of people really don't understand like how the U.S. economy operates or the U.S. budget operates. And I think that if we, for example, let's say we do like a Medicare for all option, right? Right. So like, let's say like you can keep your, 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 your private health insurance, but you can do the public option. I think a lot of countries kind of have something similar to that. Yep. A lot of people think that like, and the moderators kind of pose this question is like, that's going to bankrupt the country. And 
and it, I just, I just don't, and a lot of people really believe that. And I, I, and I got when I went to DC and got like a huge political argument about it. It was just like, you can't tell me that we're going to be bankrupt for this policy when Canada's doing it, when the UK's doing it, when Australia's doing it, when New Zealand's doing it, when Germany's doing it to a similar extent. And you just can't tell me that. Like that doesn't make any sense. And so it's like. We can cut back on maybe a military expenditure. We can cut back on maybe on this. We can do. We can close out tax loopholes, for example. Yeah. And it's just like that doesn't register in a lot of like Americans' heads. It's just like we deserve better. We just don't see that. We just deserve, we just think like I'm out for me, mine, and my own. But we're just paying for. It's like again, it's like what MLK said: "Is socialism for the rich, capitalism for the poor?" And we're just eating up that that system over and over and over again. And it's really frustrating. It's so true. Wow. I mean, just think about all the senators and congressmen that are receiving government health care and then go around and turn turn around to their districts and voters and say, oh, government health care will be awful. You'll have to deal with death panels and long lines and all these other things. Just, right. just something to think about. But yeah. Um, right. Um, so, okay. So to wrap up this debate thing, all right. Who won the debate? Go for it. Uh, Proud Boys won the debate, clearly. <laughs> How many people knew of the Proud Boys before this debate? Now you know about them. You probably Googled them. You may have even joined a Facebook group now. And you're like, oh, man, I want to get a Proud Boys oh, shirt. You like that Facebook group. Okay. All right. Exactly. So, yeah, I think the Proud Boys are the big winner. Um, I'll say Biden's a winner, too, because, um, he, again, he looked like he, he, he played it well. He played it fine. Um, didn't have any mistakes. And I think even the polls, a lot of the after debate polls had him winning. So I'll go Proud Boys one, Biden two. All right. And I, I agree with you. I think that um, – I think that – uh, Vice President Biden won the debate, but I'll throw a curveball in, in here. I'll say that uh, President Trump did what he had to do, which is to turn people off of debates. And That's a good I'm one. Yeah. very, very curious to see if we're going to have a second debate. Um, I don't think we should have a second debate because I think it benefits both sides. I think one of the biggest criticisms that we saw, even in our group chat, uh, the What You Expect group chat, where we saw that a lot of people were like, Joe Biden's just low energy, he's bad at public speaking. They just weren't really listening to what he had to say. So like, if we just avoid in our debate, I think that that helps out Team Biden, and unfortunately that helps out Team Trump, but I, I think we should probably just cancel the debates going forward. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a win-win. Um, right, it's a win-win, unfortunately. If Kamala Harris really wants to debate Pence and his wife, go for it. You know, we'll deal with that, but... Um, all right, let's let's move on to our devil's advocate here. Hey, yeah. this this is y'all here. I just wanted oh. to ask one question. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Hey, um, what should Biden do to win over people who are on the fence about voting? Voting okay. in general, or, no, or voting, for, voting for him? So, are you talking about like people who voted for Bernie and are on the fence about voting for Biden? Or are you talking exactly. about like middle of America voting for Trump, like Marcus said, voting for Trump or voting for Biden? People who are turned off on the uh, the Democratic Party for voting Biden in instead of Bernie Sanders, who they wanted. Mm. Uh, this okay. be a good devil's advocate, or I'm, be a I, devil's advocate. We can just. I mean, we can we can get to the question. I, I can take. Right, I'll yeah, take this one. I'll take right. it. Um, so I think one. Uh, if you're like a Bernie Sanders supporter, if you're upset that Bernie Sanders did not win the nomination again, um, you need to direct your anger and your frustration at Bernie Sanders for running a lousy campaign twice, 
especially the second time around. He knew he was going to run again. He knew he was going to run in 2016 after Hillary Clinton lost, right? He had all this time to build up the infrastructure and build up the relationships. All he had to do was take James Clyburn out to lunch a couple of times and befriend him. And you know what? He gets the he gets his uh, endorsement in South Carolina. He wins that race. And then he can go and romp in, two, in Super Tuesday. No, instead, he didn't do that. He didn't play, he didn't play the game, and he lost, all right? Politician, politics is about being popular, all right? And guess what? Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, again, I hate to bring her up because she's kind of become a Cassandra because everything she says about folks is right. Nobody likes the guy, all right? You may like him because he has really good ideas, but you know who else had good ideas? Elizabeth Warren, and she got trounced, all she right? She got trounced, yeah. So yeah, if you're mad about Bernie Sanders um, not winning, that's that's my advice to you is to get over it. All right, um, maybe it's to be a little more positive. I would think that uh, the things that if you cared about Bernie Sanders winning, you probably cared about a lot of his really good ideas, right? Uh, Medicare for all, free college or government government subsidized college, um, legalized marijuana, and things like and you know. Uh, I'm blanking on some of the other like. I think New Jersey might legalize marijuana. Actually, sorry to cut you off there. Oh no, we are. Um, it's it's I, the the legislation was supposed to do it, but they, the legislature was supposed to do it, but they kind of uh, lagged on it. So now we're, all, we're just going to vote it in, um, unless the Atlantic City folks uh, say otherwise. But yeah, that's going to go through. But yeah, if basically, if you care about any uh, back to Bernie Sanders, if you care about Bernie Sanders' ideas, um, truly care about Bernie Sanders' ideas, you're not go. You're going to vote for Biden because he gives those ideas a chance to live another day to give you guys a chance another fight another day with trump he's going to pack the courts with people that are going to stymie any sort of legislation that uh will go to affecting those kinds of changes and basically if, and so if you care about you know preserving health care or making it stronger i guess what's not going to happen when bonnie when uh trump puts amy colbert into uh, into the courts and has a 6-3 conservative lead that's right. going to get crushed okay if he controls the senate or uh, if any bill comes to his desk saying that oh we want to have uh, Medicare for all he's gonna he's gonna veto it, all right. So again, if you care about these things, you'll vote for Biden not because of Biden who may not be the figure that you wanted, but because he's the only person fighting to keep your ideas alive in Washington uh, at, at a federal level. So everything that you said, I just agree with that. I'll I'll just add on to this though. Um, you know, look, I understand like, the primaries isn't the best system to electing a candidate because again, like, yeah, it leaves out a good chunk of the country. I should have so said I that too. <laughs> no, it's not, it's, we are a team, Marcus. Yeah. So like, uh, uh, so like again, that leaves out a good chunk of the country because like the the, the candidate is already nominated before it reaches like New York, before it reaches like Maryland or Virginia, or whatever, those those other places do. Yeah. I would just say this though. So Marcus always kind of harps on me about like, because I'm like a pro third party and Marcus is like vote for within the, within the party that's going to be progressive candidates. And he's right. There's a Justice Democrat. So Justice Democrats got your AOC elected. You got yep. other people elected. Vote every single election. Every single election. Because millennials and the generation behind us or generation in front of us, I guess I should say, we're going to be taking over. We're smarter than our parents. We're smarter than our grandparents. We need to have politicians that reflect that, and you have to get out and vote every single election. Even if it's a school board, vote for a school board person. Uh, Justice Democrats is a very good place to stop at. Yep. Follow their website, follow the candidates that they're supporting, see what help they need. I highly recommend doing that uh, because you will get more progressive candidates out there, and establishments going to get kind of scared and try to shut them up. That's a good thing. Vote for them because that shows that the party is shifting. 
and that we can get more progressive policies in place. So everything Marcus said is correct, but also get out there and vote, vote for more progressive policies, vote for just Democrats. Just, just to add to your point, Kev, I will say one thing that Bernie Sanders did do, I think he pulled Hillary Clinton to the left on many topics that I don't think she would have in 2016. Even though he did lose, um, I think that's one of the things, something that he's done, even with Biden. I think that platform is definitely not as far to the left as it would as it has been it has become uh, because of Sanders. And I think that's that just shows what that kind of pressure can do. Um, for for even a centrist candidate like Biden. So if you continue to apply the oppression and you get involved, like Kevin's, Kev says, uh, then yeah, these are policies that we can see come to light and it can, and rather than just, you know, your little uh, Reddit groups, but you gotta get involved. Uh, so good question, producer Yao. Thank you very much yes, for that. Thank you, Yao. All right, let's go to our devil's advocate. Um, so we really didn't have much for devil's advocate, but we kind of talked about this in pre-production. And yeah. Here's a question. Do former presidents miss their job? Now, I said, I don't know if Medill was advocate on this, but I said they don't miss the job. I don't know how you can miss a job as stressful as president of the United States um, when you're basically you're waking up every day, like five, six in the morning, getting briefed by, you know, a number of different departments. You have, you know, the media scrutinizing your every move, your you know, constantly under the gun, you're constantly having to deal with uh, either intransigent members of Congress trying to bring you down, uh, national crises all over the place. It just seems like a lot to manage uh, as president. And I don't think that anyone wants to, I think after, once you kind of are the man in the arena, uh, to borrow a phrase from Teddy Roosevelt, once you're in that space and you kind of see what that job is about, I think you're like, yeah, you know what, I don't really want to do this again. I get the trappings uh, that come with it, you know, the power and whatnot might be attractive, but I also don't think that that's, I think that's, I'll, I'll say this, I don't think anyone, I think given the opportunity, if it was more acceptable, I think more people would kind of just leave the job and take something else if they could. Um, but I also think, but people, I'll, I'll also say, uh, I remember reading uh, God somewhere, most people that run for president are also psychopaths, so there's that as well. <laughs> We, I think you have to be a little bit to convince people that you're the one to save, change their lives. Yep. You and um, you alone. All right. You and uh, you alone, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I actually disagree. I think that former presidents um, do miss a job. I'm surprised Jimmy Carter hasn't like thrown his hat in the ring during the, during the primaries. Um, and here's the reason why. Everything you said is correct. I can't make a good argument against that. But don't you like traveling? I like traveling doesn't like traveling. I miss traveling. The president could just be like, you know what? The media's kind of bothering me here a little bit. Let me just hop on a plane. Let me just go to Australia. Who cares? It's not like I'm paying for a plane ticket. You know, you can do stuff like that. I think like the person being the president, you get your own personal plane, you get to the service, you get to the scene, uh, you get the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. At, at the end of the day, 40% of the country always loves you. So... I get like the media like hates on you, but 40% of the country, a good chunk of the country loves you. And even if, even for whatever reason that, that percentage dips, you can just go to the military. They are obligated to love you. So you can just go True. to the military base, do a little speech, meet the troops, and they'll, they have to love you. You know, it's not like a mayor type of thing. So like, I, I don't That's know. Fair. I feel like they have to miss, I, I feel like they have to miss that life a little bit. 
Yeah. I would definitely miss the plane. Um, I'm sure that's like one of the first things where it's like you get you get you lose the job and you're kind of like uh, getting your own like private flights and it's like, holy shit, this bill is expensive as hell. All right, this used to be free. Now I have to actually buy tickets for first class. This is nuts. Or I have to go. And, have to hit up my boys to, to use the pj like i'm sure that that's very stressful like well i'm sure obama didn't like that when he had to get that first flight from dc to hawaii i was like oh geez i have to pay for this now so right that's like, exactly that's and that's, that's just, just like, like that. i, I definitely like, overlook that the little things like you don't have an office on your plane what's up with you you know what i mean like yeah you just have to sit in like this one like main cabin like ugh, ugh. right and like on top of that you know all the nation's secrets you, if there was aliens, you know it. You know? definitely know it. Like, like, come on, like you know all our nation's secrets. Like you can just like sit there and it's like, again, forty percent of the country loves you, and you can just bring up the CIA and be like, okay, lay it to me straight. What happened? You know, who killed JFK? You probably are probably the pyramids actually. No. There's like twenty <laughs> people who know about JFK, and you're like, you're one of them. That's that's. It's, it's no, you're right. I definitely overlooked the little things on this one. Exactly. You're thinking more of the day-to-day operations. Like, that's what your chief of staff is for. And if you're George Bush II, that's what your vice president is for. Yeah. So, like, come on, man. Like, it's enjoy the perks. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right. So, I think this concludes this episode of Liberalish. Again, please like and subscribe to us. Um, please follow us on Twitter at WYE Liberalish. Uh, let us know what you think, and we're out. All right. Let's get out of here.